Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast. My name is Rodney Benner. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at the Shelbourne Knee Center in Indianapolis, Indiana, and this is the inaugural episode of the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast. We're going to talk about all things knees, and uh, this is directed towards clinicians treating knee problems. My co-host is Scott Bauman. Scott, thank you for joining us tonight. It's good to be here. We're excited to get started. Uh, we do have a lot of topics coming up, and as Dr. Benner will talk about, this topic tonight is going to be about interdisciplinary care in orthopedics. That's right. We have a very interdisciplinary clinic at Shelbourne Knee Center. We'll go into a lot of details about that and some other places where it may be available in orthopedics and what we think are some advantages and disadvantages of that kind of a setup. If you'd like to find the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on our social media channels at the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast on Facebook and as well on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at the SKC podcast. That's S-K-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or you can email us if you'd like to get in touch with us at the podcast at gmail.com. You can also find these details inside the podcast app in our, in our uh, show notes. Scott, we're getting started tonight talking about an interdisciplinary approach in orthopedics. And we're going to talk about what those component parts are specifically at our office and, uh, and how they how they are utilized uh, and other spots in orthopedics as well. And it's it's a topic that is really special to us because we utilize it in our office and we think that that's what really makes us special and different. Yeah, and I guess right off the bat, everybody here has a good understanding of what interdisciplinary care is, but especially with orthopedics, I, I want to talk a little bit about why this is an important topic as it pertains to the clinician and both the uh, as well as the patients. So discuss a little bit about why this this model is important and, and why it can be important for patients and clinicians. Well, I think it's important for a lot of different reasons. One is just that direct interaction that we have amongst the different uh, types of um, healthcare professionals within our clinic. Having experience during training at other places, I don't know that we necessarily had that in quite as good of a place, in good of a way, even though I felt I was uh, happy with the, the training I got at those places and the care we were able to provide. There was always a couple of layers that made it a little bit difficult from a communication perspective. So um, having those, having everybody in the same office is something that we're, uh, that, that I think is really different. Uh, and also just being able to interact with different points of view uh, di getting different points of view on how to take care of knee problems from not just the physicians, but also other allied health professionals as well has been really important. Yeah, I think that's an important note. You know, when you mentioned training, when I was applying to physical therapy schools way back in the day, I got into a program up in Chicago that the first year of physical therapy school, you took classes with the medical students and, and it was your basic sciences. It was anatomy, physiology, those types of things. But, and obviously you're going to divert quite a bit with, you know, the medical students going on to, to different types of education versus the physical therapy students. But looking back, I thought it was an important aspect and, and the key that the, that the program heads wanted to attain with that was just initializing that communication between those two professions and not that you're necessarily going to bounce ideas off each other in first year of medical school and first year of PT school, but I think it does go a long way in terms of really laying the groundwork for that communication between the two professionals, because as you know, inter interdisciplinary care is, that's what it's all about, is trying to, to get the best of both worlds with multi-professionals. For orthopedic surgeons in particular, I think we're just really focused on how to do the surgery better. How do I get the operation done? How do I get the fracture fixed? How do I get the alignment correct? And then 
the rehabilitation portion of it really seems like somebody else's job, somebody else's problem. When you're training, you feel that way anyway. Once you get out into practice, you realize that that is not at all the case and that all of a sudden people are asking you uh, what kind of post-op protocols you have. I remember as a trainee, the answer was, we'll do whatever the attending wants to do, and that that's their protocol. And then afterwards, when I got into practice, all of a sudden people were asking that of me, and I'm like, well, go ahead, go ask the attending. They're like, that's you, dude. So, you know, it was a, a different thing to – to have to come up with those kind of protocols myself and to have that direct connection with the therapist to understand what they're doing on a daily basis and vice versa, have, have them understand the operation that I did, how I did it. For example, what kind of ACL graft I used, what kind of knee replacement prosthesis I used, why we're doing a revision surgery in one patient versus another, uh, I think, I think was a, is, is an essential way for us to be able to learn from each other and incorporate those multidisciplinary approaches in our, in our respective, uh, areas of study and areas of, of focus. Sure. And I completely agree with that. And, and in terms of settings, you know, one of the best models that I think of when it comes to interdisciplinary care within medicine has been the sports model. And that is, you know, talking about a sports medicine team where you look at the the team doc or the surgeon is really the, the head of that team, but it really goes in an umbrella fashion underneath that where you have a lot of different professions, physical therapists, athletic trainers, strength coaches, position coaches, head coaches, uh, and also include the athlete in that. But, you know, talk a little bit about your experience within the sports medicine field as it pertains to interdisciplinary care. It's been a pretty wide breadth of experiences uh, just because of the different types of of, uh, of athletic settings that I've been able to provide team physician coverage to. I take care of a of a high school here in the Indianapolis area. I also take care of Wabash College, which is a Division three school. I also, for 10 years, was an orthopedic consultant for Purdue University at the Division one level in the Big Ten. So as you can imagine, the amount of resources, the amount of different disciplines that play into the kind of overall team approach to sports medicine care is pretty variable. At the high school level, it's me and one athletic trainer on the football sideline on Friday nights. So there's a lot more, you know, I'm covering the field while he's tending to an athlete or vice versa. Uh, and, and we're the only ones there. There's EMTs there with the, with the ambulance as well, but uh, a lot smaller scale at the high school level at the division three level. It's one, maybe two athletic trainers. We also have a primary care, two primary care physicians that are on the sidelines with us as well to help spread out that workload and be a little more compartmentalized dealing with either medical, medical conditions, uh, um, concussions, things like that versus orthopedic uh, bone and joint conditions that I take care of. And then at Purdue, it's a completely different level where we have uh, a head athletic trainer, our director of sports medicine was on the sideline. We'd have an offensive and defensive uh, focused athletic trainer. And then we have multiple student trainers, graduate students, undergraduate students. Uh, we also have our, our team physicians um, that uh, are our either primary care sports medicine, or in our case, it was a physical medicine rehabilitation specialist that uh, is a specialist in, in sports medicine as well. And then two of us orthopedic surgeons on the sideline, one more in touch with upper extremity injuries, me more in touch with lower extremity injuries, um, and then EMTs uh, uh, on site as well. So a much wider breadth of, uh, of, of specialists. And, and you even mentioned, especially at the division one level, but also at the division three level position coaches, coordinators, head coach, 
uh, even media, which I didn't really have to interact with. But uh, the interesting thing would be when things would pop up in the media and you'd read about somebody's injury or on message boards and all of a sudden you're going, where'd they get that information? That's not even right. Uh, (laughs) So that was always interesting reading about injuries uh, that uh, came out different ways when it when it was in the media. But uh, the the point is Twitter and Instagram on those medias. Everything counts. Right. So, (laughs) yeah, um, yeah, the. so, you know, all those disciplines played into it in the sports medicine model. And I think that's uh, a lot of orthopedic practitioners in particular ha- that have been a part of that can really see the value in that. And and I think the to, to bring that spin that back to the, the multidisciplinary approach when it comes to when it comes to an orthopedic office, I don't think a sports medicine provider would ever want to go onto the field to take care of a division one sport of a division one football team, for example, with one athletic trainer and one surgeon in the way that we do on the on the high school sideline there's no way that would ever be acceptable at the division one level for me it would never be acceptable in my office to go to see patients without physical therapy without athletic training without my pa uh you know and and all those people kind of working together uh so in the same way that we hold ourselves to that high standard when it comes to sports medicine we at the showborn east center like to say let's hold ourselves to that same multidisciplinary high standard in the office as well yeah and i'll go one step further I, I, i'm glad you said multidisciplinary because i do feel like those two terms interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary get interchanged and and i like to think there's a true designation between the two you know multidisciplinary i see as different professions working in parallel where you have the surgeon treating and treating the medical orthopedic side of things for for example with the orthopedic surgeons the physical therapists for lack of a better term staying in their lane on the rehab athletic training doing the same and and they yeah sure they talk to each other and you're treating in these multi-disciplines which is great i like to think of it as truly interdisciplinary care where you're bouncing things off of each other and you're working together as opposed to side by side and and do you see that happening in the sports medicine side when you're talking about this particular model Absolutely, in the sports medicine realm, um, and, and also in the way we run our office, and that's I know what we're going to talk about a little bit later uh, on how we run our, our office at Shelbourne East Center. Uh, you know, in the in the, the with the approach with the with the teams, if somebody has a hamstring strain, I'm going to examine them to see how bad I think the hamstring is, how you know what grade I think it is, whether or not we need imaging whether or not I think it's safe for the athlete to return to play. And then I'm going to let the athletic trainer and physical therapist ultimately do what they're good at. Do, do, you know, do, do what they, what they, uh, what they are trained on. Uh, you know, I don't tell them exactly what exercises to do, what stretches to do They're They, they know that themselves. Um, uh, I handle the part that I handle and they handle theirs, but we all do it together. And the communication is always a big piece of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good segue into talking about our office. One quick story, um, Dr. Shelburne always likes to tell us in the clinic is when he was just starting with Purdue back in the early to mid 80s, and he would examine somebody's knee, let's say it was an ACL tear, do the surgery, and then you know write them off to, to physical therapy or athletic training, whoever's taking care of the athlete. And the, the athletic head athletic trainer at the time came back to Dr. Shelburne and says, well, what do you want me to do? And he says, I don't know. You're the athletic trainer. Do 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 training, do therapy. Mm-hmm. He says, well, we need your direction. And and, and they kind of both looked at each other kind of dumbfounded thinking, well, we don't really know what each other does at this point. And, and that was really a uh, an eye-opening moment for Dr. Shelborn back in the day to say, well, why are we treating these patients separately? Why don't we treat them together? And that's really um, where a lot of this model started. Uh, where the athletic trainer knew exactly what Dr. Shelbourne was doing from a surgical and a medical perspective, and vice versa. Dr. Shelbourne had the opportunity to see what therapy was doing in order to better his practice. 
Yeah, so our practice at Shelburne East Center, Scott, as you know, but uh, for our listeners to to learn about, um, it really integrates three main levels of of care. One being the surgeon slash clinicians. We have two surgeons and a and a physician's assistant in our office who are the kind of providers in the clinic. And then we have the physical therapy staff that works in the clinic as well. Um, they work really as physician extenders to a large degree in that if you come to my – and athletic trainers as well. We have one athletic trainer as well uh, in our office. If you come to my office to see me for a new patient visit, uh, it's a physical therapist that goes out to the goes out to the waiting room and calls you back. Once you get back to the room, they're getting that initial history, getting that initial physical exam, and coming up with a provisional diagnosis. We also have x-ray in the office as well. Uh, the therapist then walks them down, gets them ready for uh, for their X-ray, uh, which is done by uh, X-ray technicians that do nothing but knees. Uh, so we get really good imaging in our office uh, for that reason. The the therapist then puts them back in a room and then comes and puts them on my list and presents them to me, kind of like you would with a PA, a nurse practitioner, a resident, uh, whoever else is uh, helping you work up patients in the clinic. And then before we go in the room, we have a provisional diagnosis. We're all kind of on the same page of uh, of what the patients told us. Uh, and then we go in the room and see the patient together. Uh, and, and the nice thing about seeing the patient together is we have that direct communication between myself, the therapist, and also the patient and family members as well, as I'm sure everyone listening to this has had the experience of at some point, uh, sometimes you come out of the room and the, and the therapist then come, you send the patient to therapy and they call you and said, Hey, this patient says, or the patient's family say that you said this. And you say, shake your head like, no, I did not say that. I said this. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. We don't have to worry about that when we have them in the office with us. And we can also talk about x-ray findings, uh, educate the patient, educate the therapist on what we found and directly start that start that uh, therapy process right away. I then, once we've answered questions and everything, discuss the diagnosis, I leave the room and the therapist then takes over and begins their treatment. From that point moving forward, the therapist is their direct contact at our office. If they have a question about something they heard, my front desk will put them through to the therapist. The therapist can usually answer the question. If they can't, they know to get in touch one of, with one of us as the physicians uh, to try to get clarification of whatever they need. But that's their person then moving forward throughout the their treatment plan. And I think that's really important from the therapist's perspective to get in touch with the patient early on after uh, when they first come into the office to generate a relationship with them to be kind of with them throughout that entire process. So I guess I'll ask this back to you, Scott, uh, from your experience as being a, a therapist in our office. How did that differ from your previous employment where you didn't have that kind of setup? And what did you think were some specific advantages about it? From a setup standpoint, it's completely night and day. You know, I was before I came on to the Shelbourne Knee Center as a physical therapist, I was at your general orthopedic outpatient clinic where you're seeing patients from many different referral sources with different philosophies of treatment. You know, to get specific in terms of something like ACLs, you have three different ACL grafts you're treating, and it's it can get a little confusing to be honest with you and and then if you have questions or patients not doing well or or you, you want to alter treatment in some way and you want to get a hold of the the surgeon that can sometimes be a challenging task do you get them on the phone do you email them do you fax them you know by the time somebody gets back to you maybe the the, the problem's not a problem anymore or you, you decided to divert one way whether you you know had the the backing behind the surgeon or not or or what have you. And it's, it's that communication aspect that I feel like is the biggest advantage. When you say, what's the advantage of working in a situation like this? I, I would say it's that communication piece with, with the surgeon. 
because again, you, you can divert treatment, you can alter treatment, you can ask questions why treatment is, is being done in a certain way. And, and that's all done being treated side by side with the surgeon. And again, that's just not something you see in your, in your typical outpatient physical therapy setting. That's one of the things that I like most about this approach is that we have kind of a unified approach to treatment. We sometimes have patients tell this, tell us almost as a criticism that, you know, you said the same thing that Scott said, or you said the same thing that Sarah said, or that Bill said when I asked them that same question. And and they're almost annoyed by that, that uh, like they'd almost rather, you know, uh, you know, play gotcha with with the therapist. Oh, I told you that that the surgeon was going to say something different, and they're 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 they kind of shake their heads sometimes. Uh, but but I think that's a big strength of the way we do the way we do things is that if somebody asks you a question, if somebody asks one of our other therapists the question, my PA the question, or either of us as a surgeons, they're getting the same answer over and over and over again, and we're all on the same page on how we're treating patients collectively. So kind of talk about or give any examples, maybe if you had before from previous employment on on uh, where that could potentially uh, be a roadblock when when you're, you're not everybody is looking at things in exactly the same way. It, it really is challenging and, and not knowing why is really another big piece of, of this. So I, I get that script saying to do X, Y, Z with not a whole lot of conversation with the surgeon in terms of, okay, explain to me why you want this patient to be partial weight bearing or tell me why you want this patient to be in a brace for four to six weeks. And another advantage of, of our office setup and where we're at now is, is that education piece. And you talked about when the patient asks a question and, and they're almost trying to trip you up where, oh, Scott said this, but, you know, Dr. Benny, I noticed you said the same thing. It kind of seems like they're almost trying to play you a little bit. And that education that we get as a th- therapist working with the surgeon is, is really unmatched. You know, when we get students all the time in our clinic and and they're really blown away the first week of their rotation because they just can't believe they have the opportunity to to speak about surgical parameters and surgical techni- techniques with an orthopedic surgeon and how that directly impacts physical therapy because that that interaction just isn't taught in physical therapy school. You're, you're, you're taught certain modalities, certain treatment philosophies, and yeah, oh, by the way, here's the surgical procedure that was done and here's the options that could be done, but that link to here's the surgery and how it was done and how that changes rehab or my biggest thing is it gives the why you know if you have a certain type of graft being done for acls here's why we don't limit weight bearing or here's we why we don't put them in a brace Mm -hmm. and why we want them to work on range of motion quickly and and that is something you just don't get everywhere from a uh, physical therapy standpoint Let's talk about that last leg of the multidisciplinary approach in addition to the clinicians uh, or the, the clinician providers, surgeons and uh, and, uh, and extenders along with the physical therapy staff and add in also the research staff. At Shelbourne Knee Center, we have Scott who works as a, a data analyst, a medical writer, uh, works a lot with our data, helps manage our database. We have a research director that handles a lot of our IRB submissions and keeping us in a good place from a regulatory perspective. And then we have a couple of clinical coordinators who are always sending out patient surveys uh, to collect data long-term, getting people back in for research visits, and also doing a lot of our consent procedures and things uh, when we're enrolling patients into studies. Uh, so talk a little bit, Scott, about the uh, the inclusion and the integration of the research staff uh, in our clinic and, uh, and how that helps lead to better patient outcomes. Sure. And it's really intertwined throughout the entire continuum of care. And you just name four people in our office that 
our designated quote unquote research staff, but we also like to mention that everybody in our office is involved with research and that could be study uh, question development or more than anything data collection because we collect data really to every on every patient at every visit and, and whether the uh, for example a therapist is working on a particular study or not that data is going to be collected so the everybody has that integration from a research standpoint but beyond that and probably more importantly the integration comes with that why we talked about the surgeons having that conversation with the physical therapist in terms of here's why things are done the way they are and you know the the whether the therapist is saying things or whether the surgeon is saying things those aren't statements that are made up or are done on a whim they're all backed by uh by data and by research and you know you talk about everybody wants to have evidence-based treatment philosophies and and we really uh are in my opinion are the epitome of that because every decision we make from a treatment standpoint from a surgical yeah. technique standpoint is really backed by research and we've been collecting data on patients since 1982 and we continue to do it to this day and when we see patients that fall into a pattern which is in my opinion a nice thing about working in a specialty center we see knees all day every day and good or bad you, you see patterns in terms of people doing really well with certain types of things or maybe struggling with something. And, and that's a good opportunity to work with your research department and say, okay, I'm, I'm seeing this clinically. What type of research question can we develop to answer this to hopefully model after the good things we're seeing or maybe try to change things and, and try to get those patients that are quote unquote not doing as, as well on a better path. And we develop a study, we collect data, we answer that through the data and eventually alter treatment. So we're we're always trying to improve upon things and get our outcomes to be better and better and better. And that cannot be done without the research staff that we have. So we've discussed for the past you know 30 minutes or so about how uh, how beneficial this type of model is. The question we typically get when we talk to whether it be medical students or physical therapy students is, yeah, on paper that sounds like a great model, but how do I as a clinician duplicate it? Well, it's not easy to do. You know, we, we, you and I have been able to benefit. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in 11 years at the 11 years at the Shelburne Knee Center. How many has it been for you, Scott? Remind me. Um, it's getting close to nine. Eight or nine years that you've been in this in this system as well. We've been lucky enough to be able to learn from Dr. Shelbourne and to be able to see the model um, come to fruition and also uh, and, and and really really flourish uh, and 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 be a part of it ourselves without having to set up uh, set it up ourselves. But if you're trying to do this yourself, uh, a couple things: one, you need a, a therapist. You can, as a surgeon, you need therapists you can trust and that you have a good relationship with. I think uh, reaching out to those therapists to invite them over to your clinic to maybe spend and some time to see exactly what you do and send them patients on a regular basis uh, to, is, is a really big part of that. The communication piece is, is, is essential as we've talked about. And that starts in my opinion with, with the, with the surgeon, uh, the clinician who's, who's seeing the patient in the office to not just send out a, a slip that says evaluate and treat, go find yourself a therapist, but to have a directed link to a therapy office. Uh, I think it's important for surgeons 
whether you're going to set up an office like ours or not to find therapists that you trust and that you know do a good job. So once you find a couple of those, get out in the community and 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 reach out to them and say, hey, you know what, I'm Dr. Benner. I, I have a, a, a knee practice that, uh, you know, therapy is a very important part of. Is there a way to integrate your therapy practice? I've seen that you've done a good job with our previous patients. Could we work together on a more directly linked basis and be able to start feeding them patients? On the therapy side, I think it's really important for therapy to be able to get access to patients pre-surgery. That's something that we really stress. And I think, uh, you know, on the flip side, if you've never seen the patient before and they show up to you for post-op therapy from a surgery that that you didn't know about beforehand, uh, you don't know what they've done pre-op, you don't know what their pre-operative or post-operative expectations are, it's really difficult, I, I got to imagine, for, for you to be able to take care of that uh, versus if the patient is introduced to you pre-surgery, you generate a relationship with them and things like that, uh, as well as a surgeon, it's got to be a lot easier. So therapists, if you're trying to get this kind of specialty practice, you want this kind of communication and integration that we're, talked about, that we're talking about, it's kind of the same as the surgeon. Reach out uh, ahead of time, try to get a good relationship with the surgeon so they can send you patients. It's good for your bottom line and good for your volume, but it's also good to be able to provide that kind of integrated care that we're talking about. From a research perspective, it really starts with just the will to do it. Not every surgeon really has the will to 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 follow their patients quite as long as maybe uh, people do at academic centers or other places where you do research. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, but but not everybody uh, probably can do the kind of research that that we're talking about. But if you're interested in it, just finding somebody who's interested in helping you along the way. Just start with something as simple as having your patients fill out a pre and post operative survey, and then look at your own look at your own results over over time track your own complication rates um, you know to figure out how often do I get infections how often do I get patients that are stiff that I have to manipulate or have to or have to do other procedures to how often do I have patients get DVTs where do I seem to be losing track of patients? What do I do that? And, and also very importantly, who are the patients that do really well? I think we focus in orthopedics a lot on who does poorly and how can we figure out the how to avoid these poor outcomes. I don't think we do enough sometimes with saying who's really doing well and what is what are the factors that made them do so well and how do I replicate that as much as I can? So I really think if you want to try to set something like this up in your own practice, it's just about it's just about grinding your way towards it, getting a, getting a relationship with a therapist, getting a relationship with someone who wants to do to help to assist with research uh, and and from the therapy side, getting in touch with the surgeon and uh, and and tracking your own outcomes as well as just having that direct link. Yeah, t- two things on that when you when you talk about developing this model or, or starting this this system, Keep in mind that it's a win-win situation. I, I'm sure a surgeon, Dr. Bennett, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure an orthopedic surgeon would love if a physical therapist came to him and said, you know what, let me see some of your patients preoperative. I have some, I have some ways they can get these patients um, optimized for surgery or, you know, let's work together and really try to figure out these problems. Just having that initiative, I think, is great. And, and just keeping in mind that it's on both ends, it's going to be a win-win and and ultimately you're chasing better patient outcomes. And at the end of the day, I think everybody would agree that a a good interdisciplinary care model is going to give you the best outcomes. And then the second thing with the research, I think you also hit a good point as well, learning from your, your good outcomes. You know, when I talk to patients about, well, it seems really daunting to start collecting data. 
I say start small, you know, chase what you're passionate about. If you're in a general orthopedic center and you really enjoy and, and see a good volume of, for example, ACLs, like Dr. Benner was saying, take the best 10% and the worst 10%. You can learn a lot from those two ends of the spectrum and, you know, track your outcomes, track your complications, track those um, both positive and negative outcomes and, and try to learn as much as you can through any type of data collection you can come up with. If you have any questions about this, you can find us via email at the SKC podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media uh, via Facebook, looking up the Showborn East Center podcast or through Twitter and Instagram at the SKC podcast uh, via those social media channels. Scott, this has been fun. Thank you for helping us complete our first episode. Yes, thank you. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'll be back with another topic in the near future. Thank you. Thank you.